Hello and welcome everyone to another Thursday night of the American Scouser podcast. And what a Thursday night it is, just two days removed from another thrashing of United at Anfield. Uh, with us tonight, two of our regular crew, Scotty Fish, how are we? I am doing ecstatic, about as giddy and happy as I have been on a Thursday before. Well, that uh, that only bodes well for a good show, so you'll have no <laughs> excuse if you're not on top form. And <laughs> Jamie, how are you doing, my friend? Ah, uh, lads, lads, lads. What are we doing? Dreamland. <laughs> it is Dreamland, Jamie, and we are very, very excited here, excited to start this up. Excited to start every podcast the way we do, which is a greetings from Alan. Alan, we appreciate you, our friend. Thank you for finding us the moment we start. And thank you for all the contributions throughout Cheers. the program. If anyone else out there wants to get involved, just leave a comment. Uh, give us your thoughts. Hit us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, we would love the interaction. So, before we get going here, guys, uh, we like to start our Thursday nights the same way each and every week, and that's with Jamie's 60 Seconds of LFC News. So, Jamie, take it away. That is right, Reds. Let's get stuck in here. Um, so, what's been happening? The Newcastle game uh, is going to go ahead as planned at 12.30 kickoff. Uh, that's, you know, the league and broadcasters denied the request to, to push that one back. Uh, that's at the end of the month, so um, that's definitely newsworthy. News also today that young Scottish star uh, Ben Doak has put pen to paper. The um, promising young winger, 16 from Celtic to Liverpool. Uh, definitely welcoming a, a lot of young talent in these days and, and good to see. Uh, coming up, moving on to this weekend, it's going to be double donations uh, for the food banks for Derby Day. Um, hashtag corn foods are going to be doubling the donations on the match day, which is excellent. Excellent to hear for those involved. Um, moving on, the Liverpool quad can finally start to get excited, lads. It's uh, it's the quad bid. Liverpool's quad bid as of May 3rd will officially be the closest anyone has got, and that's guaranteed. So we're guaranteed to be the, the closest to it. Next closest is the Chelsea team from 06 07. And of course, moving on, which we're probably going to talk about, um, is is the big news, the LFC statement on on the recent uh, rise of the death mark. And thirty three years on, on fifteenth of April, uh, the justice for ninety seven. Apparently, people still don't get it, but uh, they'll never be forgotten. Thank you very much, Jamie. As always, uh, you bring us up to date, give us a nice synopsis of everything going on. I'm not surprised at all that uh, the Premier League did not aid in moving the games, uh, moving the match. Unfortunately, you know, it is consistent with what they've done in the last couple of years when any club has asked. And I think it just comes down to the fact that one of the things that does make the Premier League the most competitive and the strongest league in Europe is the fact of all the American money that's spent there. And unfortunately, they spend a little too much money too much time worrying about those viewing audiences. And I hate to say it, we're very lucky here in America that we actually get more football on TV than they get in England. Uh, but I think sometimes we're to blame for why they don't reshift matches because I can't see why over there they would mind moving that match to a different time as long as it was going to be on. It only makes sense when it comes to the money, right? Talk about the money, stupid. Yeah. So – as we get going, uh, we'll slide right in here to the match. But before we start talking about the match, I'd like to briefly just to get your guys' uh, thoughts and uh, the overall response to the classy and wonderful display by the Liverpool supporters and Man United supporters um, in the grounds during the seventh minute, giving uh, Ronaldo an ovation Obviously, unless you live under a rock, I'm sure everyone knows uh, that Cristiano and his partner announced earlier this week that, uh, unfortunately, they lost their son at childbirth um, while also giving birth to their baby daughter, uh, his twin sister. I, I can't even imagine what the man was going through. I mentioned earlier on Monday's podcast, I hoped he wouldn't play, but I would respect his decision, whatever he made. I, I feel he made the right decision. 
Um, but I also feel that what the Anfield supporters did uh, just to show the class that they had was really something special. And um, it's not often that I'm more proud of a moment in the seventh minute than I am the 90th minute thrashing United 4-0. But I'd say that that was one of the better feelings I've had as a Liverpool supporter. Uh, I always feel good kind of grouping myself with the rest of the supporters. And you feel really good when you watch something like that. So, Scott, we'll start with you. Um, as you were watching it, you heard about it. Uh, what were your thoughts? How did you feel? Yeah, Jamie, you you hit it. Uh, you know, pr- prior to the game, obviously, that, that terrible news came out. And, you know, wishes, wishes you know, good health to him and his family. And, and like you said, family comes first. And to be able to see kind of – the, the fans put that massive rivalry aside and, and realize that there's far bigger things in the world than just football was was really nice to see. I, I said in our uh, Discord chat, which, which again, I, I highly suggest anyone watching out to, to join our Discord on game days. And, and, you know, I was just so blown away by our fans, by the respect that, that we're showing. And like you said, there are things bigger than football, bigger than rivalries, bigger than this, you know, Man U Liverpool, you know, just hate that comes from either side, you know, and, and it was it was really, really nice to see just an entire group of people shoulder to shoulder stand up together and and really kind of come together and, and show respect and compassion. And Jamie, um, you know, I'd love to get your take on how you felt as a supporter as well, but, you know, reading the words on the screen, you know, Um, which are the statement for those that aren't watching. uh, One world, one sport, one global family. Thanks, Anfield. Me and my family will never forget this moment of respect and compassion. And that was direct from Cristiano Ronaldo in response to Liverpool's tribute. I'll be honest. I knew he'd say thanks. I wasn't sure he'd actually go that far even. Um, I feel like that was just also a very classy part on his part to thank the supporters and recognize that this wasn't just lip service, that this was true heartfelt care. What are your thoughts, James, both on Ronaldo's statement and, you know, how it made you feel as a supporter, as connected as you are to the supporters? piece? Well, you know, first off, it's a classy move, right? Um, We can talk all day long about what other fans do. Um, But, but what, what, our club is is known for is being a family and having excellent values. We've been through the ringer. We know what loss is. Um, so yeah, it was a real heart touching moment, and and you know it was it was very hard, you know, to put yourself in in Ronaldo's shoes first of all. But you know, just a real classy touch, you know, and and even to break out, you'll never walk alone, you know. That song, a lot of people might say it's reserved for, you know, whatever, Liverpool people and, and all the rest of it. But it, it just, just goes to show, you know, um, you know, famously, <laughs> Shankly said, you know, life's not, uh, our football's not a matter of life and death. It's much more important than that. It's in times like these that you you realize, you you know, that quote in context is, is, is something completely different. Um, you know, even the great man himself um, would have shown respect to to enemies, if you will. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, just a real classy moment. And then for Ronaldo to reach back out was just, um, you could tell it was felt. You could tell it was heartfelt and that it touched him enough to thank the Anfield crowd and, and you know, have nobody bat an eyelid at that, you know. I think there's something to be said for any great athlete. You hear them a lot of times talk about the only thing they miss more than their home supporters are like the biggest rivals booing them. But I think in this moment, he realized that the rival, it was worth all the boos and worth all the angst and worth the people swearing at him or yelling at him. And, you know, when he was on a holiday in Portugal, it wouldn't matter. Right. They were attacking him from all things, but it shows a class and a level and, and Darren chimes in. I think this is a nice way to wrap it up. It shows the difference in class between us and other supporters. 
And if we have time later in the in the uh, discussion tonight, we will get to some of that. But we do have uh, a lot to cover tonight. So let's jump into the match. Um, we'll start where we normally do with the lineup. Lineups came out. There were only two changes from the side that uh, faced off with City in the FA Cup. That was uh, midfield Henderson coming in for Keita and Matip regaining his place alongside Van Dyke at the heart of the defense. Jamie, let's start with you on the lineup. Um, what did you make of the changes? And were you at all surprised with the fact that we had no changes to the front three? Well, other than Bobby and his injury that he, he got from City late on in the game that kept him out of the game, you know, that, that was kind of expecting to see him possibly. Um, also, you know, um, the big shock was when you took a look at United's lineup. I don't know if you've got that graphic pulled up. But, <laughs> oh, but I, didn't, was... I didn't want to show that graphic in case anyone was driving and they may careen off the road. Uh, but we will talk about the train wreck that was. Don't, don't, we'll don't, don't, stream and, don't stream and drive, Reds. Come on, be safe. Don't be, don't be Bruno Fernandez. Um... <laughs> yeah, one of his two car crashes this week. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, all seriousness, the shock was when you seen United's lineup and they were going three at the back or five at the back. And, um, you know, obviously they were uh, injury ridden and missing Ronaldo. Um, but yeah, uh, we had a, a top top notch lineup there. You, you take a look at the front three, like you're talking about Diaz, Salah, Mane. That, like that lineup says it's go time. We're, we're here. Let's go. Let's, let's see what you got. And Scott, from, from your sense, um, any shocks or surprises for you? Anything you expected um, outside of this to start? Uh, on, honestly, no. I, I actually thought that uh, this is this is about as close to a lineup as I would have thought would happen. I think that Klopp was just looking for speed straight away, just coming from all aspects of our front three. Um, obviously, D Diogo has got, got loads of speed and skill to him. But when it comes to just pure pace, uh, those are probably our fastest front three of the of the five that could be starting there. Um, and then I do just want to do a little uh, mind, you know, shout out to the other change of, of Matt Teep coming back in. Um, I think Konate's deserved a lot of praise recently from, you know, scoring three in his last three starts. But for sure, we we are at our best defensively with Matt Teep back there. And you know, credit to him coming back in, and obviously we'll we'll discuss the the goals. But you know, I, I thought that he deserves a spot in our starting eleven, and he showed it. Jamie, would you say at this point um, that that is Jurgen Klopp's best eleven? It's difficult to argue different, isn't it? Like because because of the addition of Diaz and because of Mane performing so well and coming back from the AFCON with the bit between his teeth and beefing up and new role, new man, new Mane. Like, it's like, he's, he's all about it and, and doing well because, you know, David Jennings article there that got posted the other day, you know, we were talking about last season and even in the early starts of this season when we've got problems on the left and that kind of equates to, you know, maybe, maybe getting like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I knew this was going to come up. So Darren, Darren just said, Jimmy looks like he's in the schoolyard. I said, I was, it looks like I'm in the prison yard about to get my head kicked in. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, for those that are, are listening and not watching, I've, I've got a red brick background. So um, yeah, my skinny ass looks like I'm about to get my uh, teeth kicked in in a schoolyard or prison yard. Um, but yeah, that sidetracked me, Scotty. Go ahead. <laughs> no, Jamie, you look like you're more about to strike out in uh, kickball. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I exactly what you said. You know, the the role of Mane's switched out, and and I think that you know he's he's obviously played in that center in the past, but like you said, ever since Afcon, he, that that man looks possessed. He looks different, and he he looks ready to kind of push us through on this. You know ending you know lap that we got on this race and it, it's it's incredible like you uh you know galley to to your question 
Um, I think that Klopp genuinely does pick the roster based on who we are playing, depending on, you know, what type of back line we're playing. Maybe is depends, you know, do we put Diogo in versus Diaz? I think Mane and Salah pick themselves in, in the two of the three spots. But for sure, I mean, it's a, it's a great problem to have, right? You know, that, that we got players that can step in. I can't remember which pundit said it, but they were like, um, you know, basically – to your point, Gally, like this is Klopp's best 11. They were like, you know, he would probably put this side out in a Champions League game. I don't know if it's going to be th- that champion, that side going out against Villarreal in the semis. But, you know, I think if we sent, I think potentially we could send out any 11 and they would do a job. But I think, I think if we sent out that 11, they'd bring, bring the job home. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that's the 11 we'll see barring injuries in the FA Cup final at, at Wembley. I think that's the 11 we would see in the Champions League final barring injuries. Um, you know, with, with the, you know, I, there is this caveat right now. We're going to talk about Keita and his performance and, and some of the stuff he's doing. Because I think if there's one guy maybe pushing people to a limit, it's, you know, that he's actually coming in perform. Sure. Uh, appearance after per- appearance with improved and built on performance, but that's a great thing to have. That's that's your three out of four, right? And up top, until Bobby can play two or three matches in a row, start one of them and then be able to be a sub in another without injury or some form of a knock holding him back, mm-hmm. I feel like we have four up top for three spots and we have a great uh, asset off the bench in Bobby. And I feel in the midfield, it's almost the same. We have four for three spots. And if we need them, we have an asset like Jones. We have veteran legs like Milner, you know, um, and probably that's about it. I I don't think we're going to see much rotation from here on out, except for to give the 60-30 rest that we always talk about. One guy starts for 60, the other guy plays for 30. And, you know, it's, it's, it's 10 matches to the finish line, to Jamie's point. May 3rd's going to come, and we'll be the closest that any club has been to the quadruple in over a decade, um, almost 15 years, and really the first club that has a real shot at it. Because there's a difference. That Chelsea team had chances to win it, but they really didn't. Have, they weren't going to win. Um, I hesitated to even bring it up. You know, I, 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 I'm not really the stereotypical um, – luck-driven Irishman, you know, can't walk on <laughs> cracked pavements, can't, you know, walk under ladders. Usually I'm pretty carefree. But when it comes to Liverpool, I don't like to, you know, when it was our our, our year we won the league, it was, you know, the United game where everybody started singing, we're going to win the league. And now you're going to believe us and all the rest of it. So the quad has been that for all of us, which is a crazy fucking thing to begin with. But we're quietly... You know, everybody says, oh, I'm not going to say it until we're in the Champions League final. I'm not going to say it until this. I'm not going to say it until that. Like, get on board, lads. Come on. At some point, you just got to be bullish. You just got to say, we're going to win the league. (laughs) We're going to win the FA Cup. We're going to win the whole fucking lot. At some point, that's just got to be. You can't, by all means, you you absolutely don't have to. You can rein it in a bit. You can say, oh, we're not, maybe we're not going to win the league, but we're going to win the Champions League. We're going to have the FA Cup. Get on board, Reds. Let's go. Oh, I love it. So before we talk about the goals, before we go a little deeper, uh, Jamie brought it up earlier. I think we have to talk about the train wreck that is Man United starting 11. Um, when, I, when I first saw the uh, graphic posted to the Discord channel, um, I'm pretty sure I was the first one that was just like, I, I, Phil fucking Jones. Like, are you serious? Phil Jones. Like, see, I, Ralph I, Ragnick, I, I know where you're going with this. You said, I, who was it? Was it Bickler said? I don't even remember that he was on their squad. I do. <laughs> yeah. because I've, been, I've been continuously posting that gif that was posted directly underneath it of Phil Jones and the various different faces that he pulls, posting it to my mates all the time back home. But yeah, Phil Jones it's, is still a Man United player. It's unbelievable. And the idea, like, I'm sorry, and we're not going to spend much time on this because God knows Ralph Ragnick didn't spend much time tactically getting the team ready, <laughs> so there's no reason for us oh, to no. tactically talk about it. Um, but the idea, if I'm Eric Bailly and I can't make United starting 11, so Phil, 
Tim Jones can play? Like I really, I mean, you gotta like you gotta really believe your next job is probably somewhere, probably somewhere in the United States of America. Because that, I mean, if you take up fishing on the field, yeah, fishing sounds about good for him right now. Um, Unbelievable. So the mixture of a 95 year old guy like Matic in midfield, um, you know. Phil Jones, who's made four starts since 2019. I mean, you play can't for make, Pogba to make a cameo. Yeah, Pogba decided to play for 15 minutes. He he said, okay, I was on the pitch for the Ronaldo uh, celebration. I did my duty here, yep. you know. And then he didn't even leave. He walked off the pitch like he was injured and just sits down. From what I noticed, uh, he started he started limping off the pitch, and then by the time he got off the, the uh, sideline, he walked perfectly fine to the chair. <laughs> yeah, Darren came in with, uh, Pogba did the right thing, faking an injury to get the hell off that pitch. I don't blame him. I probably would have wanted to get off that pitch pretty quickly as well. So before we move to Liverpool, I'll ask you both this question. It's a really quick one. Do you guys believe that that might be Pogba's last stroll off the pitch in a United uniform. Because I question whether he plays another minute this year. I mean, it's a, it's a miracle he's, he's even still there. Like, I mean, it, it's, the, it's the biggest joke in football. Listen, the, the, the fact that he, people still put him in the same category of some of the best, you know, players around the world and other, you know, teams is, is an absolute fallacy. It's a joke. And, you know, he, he showed right there. He doesn't care, and as soon as he gets some stick for it, he's done mentally, physically. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's gone. It'll be interesting I mean, to see where he ends up. You know, he's one of those players. He could end up at Real Madrid and do a job, get engaged, and play like he did at Juventus, or he could end up at PSG collecting $700,000 a week and, <laughs> you know, doing more doing more commercials and filming more videos on his phone than he does, you know, putting an effort on the pitch. Uh, he it. is an absolute enigma, that is for sure. It's um, 10 hags problem now, lads. And, you know, who cares? Because he's going to need about 10 more hags to get uh, get United up to scratch. <laughs> so, um, I think enough about how they were. Um, I do believe the way they set up absolutely played into our hands. Um, I think they were set up to fail by their manager by their board, by their recruitment team. I mean, by everybody from the day, including their agents who let them sign for Manchester United. But when we look at that match and we look at that first 10 minutes and we talk about the Diaz goal, uh, Jamie, what were your initial thoughts as you saw it? And, you know, honestly, do you have a little bit of sympathy in your heart for Harry Maguire? Because I know that just watching Harry Maguire right now on the pitch is hilarious and fun. But on some levels, I actually feel, because I feel like you're watching the deterioration of a human on like national television. I mean, sympathy is not my strong point right now, um, towards, especially towards Man United fans and players. Um, the simple fact that Harry Maguire can't accept himself that he hasn't been playing poorly um no i've got no sympathy for him um one word that i've been using to describe diaz a lot recently is electric he he just is he's he's a live wire he's he's everything there is brilliant about our left wing now i mean he's he's fantastic um yeah i'm definitely not sympathetic towards Harry Maguire, <laughs> Harry Maguire's plight he's getting paid god knows how much money every week to uh, put in subpar performances and then lie about it on national TV. And Scott, on that goal, and I was really poking fun at the slab head actually, but the point of it was was that he was put in, he was basically put on an island by his own two midfielders. He doesn't sure. close down Mane. He walks into the into the midfield. You know, he comes back, drops into that, you know, number 10 area. And the turn, um, and to find Mo, Mo runs onto it, slots it into Diaz, and you know, then Trent decides he's going to bang one into the net <laughs> hard. 
I, I got to tell you, he missed Trent, the net. He, gotta, he missed the net completely. Yeah. I was just going to say, Trent, you got to do me a favor. If you're going to bang one in from six feet, you can't <laughs> miss and give the, give the goalkeeper a buzz cut on the shave. That's right. He's actually lucky it didn't hit him in the head because if it had hit him, maybe in the head, maybe that's trouble. that's exactly what he was aiming for. That that little channel in between the head. I was about to say he just wanted top. to give De Gea something to think about, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, he clearly was thinking right there. He was thinking that he was about to put the little dude through the goalpost. Is what it looked like <laughs> might happen. Uh, but I loved it. It was entertaining. Uh, but Scott, that first goal, you know, is it more about Mane dropping into space? Is it more about Mo, you know, making the run and just slotting it in? What What is it for you there uh, before we get to the magic that is the second goal? Uh, yeah, I mean, for first goal, I consider just as magic as the second. And part of it was down to the fact that teams are still deciding to play a back three against us. And I, I said it for years now, anytime we're playing, a, a you know, three center backs, and then their wing backs was more like a back five. But anytime you have three center backs, we're dangerous. And they Lads, let me know, just jump in here because there's a few comments there about the Maguire bomb threat today. And yes, anyway, I, my, my sympathy but, does extend yeah. that far. On the pitch, it doesn't. I'm not talking about home <laughs> life. No, like no, yes, no one course, actually not, was gonna call you there, Jamie. No one I'm not, was gonna I'm not, make I'm not a complete heartless person. Like I do have sympathy on, in that respect, one hundred and twenty percent. On the pitch is a completely different story. Right. I've got absolutely no sympathy for his performances. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, so, I mean, it's not even it's not even worth talking to an Irishman about bomb threats. Like it, that's it, fair. It's horrible. <laughs> horrible. Yeah, but, you know, like you said, nobody you deserves know. nobody deserves that. It's a game of football for Christ's sake. Again, you know, football's a, a matter more important than life or death it, it, it's not it's absolutely not like it, it, this that's that's terrorism you know what i mean that's horrible yeah i mean you're you're talking we're talking about football here we're talking about obviously you know the the game the rivalry on the field off the field it you know it is what it is off the, off the field where we're all human you know but uh i will be perfectly happy laughing at united's displeasures on the field and i'll i'll take that for 100 percent sure. um, yeah. yeah, that like you said, that going back to Galley's question, the, the first goal, I mean, the the movement from Mane was was incredible. It it leaves McGuire a decision to make whether he wants to try to match the pace of Mane to go up and to actually make that press, or does he hold back in the space? Uh in the end he didn't either. And you know, we we have the pace to go, obviously, with Mane getting in that hole, but obviously Mo and Trent, either one of them could have getting to that. Uh, through ball and I mean quick start exactly what we needed and you know we never turned back from there and Chris Scott says Mane has been a delightful in the nine his ability to find Mo and Luis, Luis and acres of space is wonderful and, and I couldn't agree with that more the movement uh, has been just outstanding his um, he's definitely taken to the position his finishing has been clinical in front of the net and you can tell that he enjoys playing through the middle as much as he did out on the left, if not more. And I think it actually offers him to be more engaged in the link-up play with the midfielders. And I think he likes that. You know, people forget that when he came up with Salzburg and Southampton, he was a true number 10, and he played off the striker. So yeah. there is an awful lot in his, in his <laughs> game. He adapted to be an outside uh, winger. But... Um, though I think it was a pretty goal. I do not believe it was anywhere near a goal of the season type of moment. Uh, and I do believe that second goal is the type of magic that comes together when players have an understanding. Um, we can talk about Mane's pass and Thiago linking the play or Matip's just deaf little one touch and knowing, and, and I give, um, Lee Dixon credit in the broadcast. Everyone is just raving about Mane's ball and Mo's touch and finish. And Lee Dixon is just like, let's watch it again. It's Matip's touch that everyone should be talking about. And it was, it was really well, he's something. Well, union though, isn't he? But yeah, he's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, he's, he's in the defenders' union until he talks to Graham Lasso, and then he acts like that that defender never defended or did anything. I love the fact that they they are like the most frenemies of all time people on on the pitch. He asked him, what did he ask him during the match? What were you like when you got subbed off? And he said, well, you never oh, got subbed yeah. off. You barely started. <laughs> Outstanding stuff. So with that goal, um, obviously Matip's movement – but what about the understanding and the touch um, between Mane and Salah's run? Because for me, all the great that Sadio Mane did, that ball, that dink, that deft little touch of class uh, on the one time knowing where Mo would be, for me, that was the movement of the night, the play of the night, you know, the moment of the night. Jamie, what about you? Just unbelievable. And in the first place to execute it, like over his left shoulder, it basically popped over his own left shoulder to get out out onto the right wing. I mean, it was amazing. And you know, is it the fact that Tiago's in the team and and that they're witnessing that caliber of passing every day on the training ground? Like, I'm not sure if. Mane pre Tiago tries that pass. Maybe he does. I'm, maybe I'm being too uh, um, critical, but I, I I don't know that that sort of caliber of one time pass just screen Tiago. And I mean Tiago, I'm sure we're going to talk about. But yeah, there was so many excellent performances there. Um, but yeah, that one time pass was just it was Tiago esque. It was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you're you're talking about you know making making that pass, whether he would or or wouldn't have, you know, whether it's his confidence right now and how he's been playing, or whether it's just you know playing United, maybe everyone goes up a gear. And I I honestly think that you know after they've been playing for for years together, their understanding of each other's sure. movement, their understanding of of you know that run, that space that Mane created, because it wasn't just Mane's pass. It was his movement to get where he was that created right. the space for Mo to run into. And, you know, we're, we're going to talk about, you know, Mo's, Mo's touch on the, on the pass, but uh, yeah, uh, across the board, the, the entire connection throughout, you know, our team to get there, it was almost like you wanted to give everyone assists, everyone who touched the ball prior, you know, you, they, they all deserve assists to go. They were just as important to Mo finishing it off and Mane making the slide through. I mean, God, I, I don't know if my neighbors are mad at me now, but they must have heard me screaming. So the, the they easily could have scored a couple more uh, before the half. That could have been 3-4-0 at the half. I felt they let a couple chances get away from them. Um, how Before we go on to the second half and kind of the wrapping up the coverage here, how important, Jamie, to you was it that you know, Mo got off the snide, got back on the score sheet, and more importantly, that it didn't just happen from open play, but it happened from team play that he was both involved in the buildup and, you know, the finishing article. It was, um, it was, it was simply the finish and, and play of a man in form, not out of form. And, you know, we were joking in the Discord chat, agreeing and you know, Megan said in his slump, and and you know, Megan's the mass most massive Mo Salah fan out there too. It's like, yeah, it's a slump in 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 his own expert numbers, you know, in his own season. Like he's now amongst the top twenty Premier League goal scorers. I think he's one behind Gerard. Um, yeah. So it, it's just crazy, lads. Um, you know, he 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 just tucked it away with uh, with a plum. You know, like like he wasn't in a slump, which by all rights he absolutely has been. <laughs> like, there's no debate and no debate in that. Not even in his terms, he's been in a slump full stop. But um, yeah, he just tucked that away expertly. But that that's that's the caliber of the man we're talking about here. You know, we we all knew it was only a matter of time whether it was going to be this game or maybe the City game or one of the Champions League games under the lights and, and, and the big games. We just knew that the, with the amount of these big games around, he was going to get back on the score sheet sooner or later. So obviously um, we get to halftime. We have the 2 nothing lead. You know, that's 
in back-to-back matches, you know, we blitz City. We're up 3 nothing at the half in the FA Cup semis on Saturday. Tuesday, we come back. We do it again to United. We score two. We could have scored, you know, at least a third, if not a fourth. In both of those matches, we uncharacteristically did come out of the half a little bit flat, five to ten minutes, even 15 minutes. You know, if United sticks one in in the first ten minutes of that half, I'm not saying they win anything in that match, but it is a different outcome because we start to react, we start to play. What what do you think it is, Scott, that's happening to this side right now? Um, I don't I don't think it's complacency, but what do you put it on for these slow starts coming out of the breaks? Because against a better opponent in a bigger spot, it could really come back to 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 bite us. Yeah, uh, for for sure. I mean, you know, exactly what you said when we saw that against City in the FA Cup, the first minute of the second half, they went ahead and scored a goal. And I don't know if if United were ever as a clear cut chance to to score one in that, but certainly they looked far better in the first 10, 15 minutes of the second than they did in any bit of the beginning of, you know, the game. And um, I, I think I want to credit that maybe to the fact that we were so dominant in the first half. We were so dominant in the first half of the FA Cup as well. I, I think that Lee Dixon was joking, called us the, you know, the Harlem Globetrotters. We, you know, Tiago was out there trying anything and it was coming off. I mean, our, our players were feeling it. They had a swagger to them and we were at our best. And I don't think that we as fans know how hard it is to play at the best and I don't know if it's, you know, reasonable. Lee Dixon certainly doesn't. Right. <laughs> well, for sure, you know, and and uh, Lee Dixon also mentioned, you know, he'd, he would have been off on a red card 20 minutes into that game because of, you know, how Liverpool were passing about him. But um, I, I think that it's just it's just maybe unreasonable to think that we can be at that elite level for 90 minutes straight. And for sure, United changed their formation. They looked like they definitely had a team talk that maybe gave them some sort of hope. But in reality, I think that Liverpool knew what their job was, knew what their responsibility was. They were all right with sitting back and making sure that they had control of the ball and had possession when they could. And then once we finally started finding our passes, once we stopped making the mistakes again, immediately got that third goal. But you know, I, I wouldn't say that it's concerning um, just because we're comparing it to this, you know, elite level that we had in both first halves the last two games. I, I would agree with that for to an extent. The only part is, is we don't have an option but to play at an elite level if we want to finish the job, like we can't right. have 15, 20 minutes. And I guess that's, that's the hard part, right? It was those 15, 20 minutes against Brighton that gave up the two nothing lead at home. That could be the difference at the end of the year, if we all went out. So I think that lapse in judgment, I do hope whatever it is. And I think Jurgen will find it because God knows I'm irritated in Western Massachusetts and he's a lot more upset than I am because he's giving it to them. Like they're down three, nothing uh, each and every time I see him, which is what I love. So before we get in, talk specifics about the goals. It doesn't surprise me that United looked a little better. They took off Phil Jones and they brought on a guy they paid $90 million for. That's usually a reason for success. That'll help. The fact that they sat Sancho to start a match and decided to play Phil Jones is one more reason to get a checkup from Ralph's neck up. But I appreciate you, Ralph. And I hope he seems like the perfect candidate for me to be a coach, a consultant. Maybe he can pick the next coach. If they let him pick the players, I heard he has a two-year contract. I hope they sign him at Meredith for life. Um, but let's talk about the man of the hour. Cause honestly, I had this picture ready and the love affair started and I didn't feel like it would be right to not take the time to just spend a little time here. Because honestly, I don't know that anyone in any of our uh, live uh, podcasts that we've ever done has ever gotten as much consistent love from the audience as Tiago has tonight. We have, sure. Tiago is freaking awesome. This one, uh, Tiago is pure football porn. Tiago's caliber of play is EFL quality, guys. Stop it. So for all of you, before we get mad at Matus, 
It's he opposite just, day. He is just quoting a uh, a a a fun bantering friend of our of us all who likes to tell us that Tiago is not the same level of class. Oh yeah, Darren lets us know. Anybody that thinks Tiago isn't top passer, give your head a wobble. Uh, Darren, we will tag you in a couple posts coming up. There is a person I'd like you to meet. He's got all <laughs> kinds of opinions, and you would love them. But in all seriousness, he was the man of the match for me. It was. He's moving. He is moving quickly into the conversation of being player of the season in a year in which Mo has 30 goals and Mane has 35 goal involvement because I think we honestly are seeing the player that they purchased last year, the guy that they, you know, whether people liked it or not, he was picked to be a replacement for Gini Wijnaldum. And I believe he's showing when he can play and get consistent minutes and stay on the pitch, it is an upgrade to our 11. And that is not a knock on Gini. Um, but I believe what he does and the improvements he's made in his ability to press and fit in with our midfield uh, has absolutely blown me away because I didn't know he had that in him, to be honest. I knew he was world-class, but I wasn't 100% sure that he could do that. And I'll be honest, I would put up a few more of these comments, but I'm afraid they would take up the entire screen. (laughs) Absolutely. Let me tell you. (laughs) <laughs> Alan, Alan just put up a whole essay there of Tiago stats. All I wanted to do for my 60 seconds was Tiago stats. But then I, I caught myself on. I was like, okay, this isn't Tiago news in 60 seconds. But literally, I mean, he's phenomenal. If if you or anybody else out there in the world could name me three more midfielders in Liverpool's history with more style, passion, uh, whatever you want to call it, a certain je ne sais quoi or whatever, <laughs> you know, he is just the sexiest, most efficient German. Like, I, I, I don't it's, know, it's, it's Spanish, incredible. Brazilian, German. It's, he's a blend he, of everything. Like, he's he's fantastic. We we spoke about, you know, his his upbringing and, and all the different kind of nationalities that he's had in, in his, you know, influence and stuff like that. I mean, you can see it in his play, right? You, you can see that he's been molded by Brazil and Spanish football, the, you know, workhorse of German football while he was there. And now to come and, and we can reap the rewards of it. Like you said, I mean, it's 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 sexy. It's it's football at its prime and and the fact that we're able to witness it and the fun the funny thing is you know players or fans that is who don't watch Liverpool games will take a look at his season stats and look at his goals and assists and they'll write him off and, and it's like if you just watched a, a, an instance one pass which none of us can see but he can I mean it, it's incredible and it's easy to him his hips I don't know how he moves them I haven't been able to move my hips <laughs> like that ever, you know. Yeah, ju- just everything about him is class. It's it's the it's foot incredible. rolls. It's the constant. It's the constant foot rolls. Like the man was born with a ball in the womb, just <laughs> just just tiptoeing it, juggling it in the womb, you know. <laughs> so obviously, here uh, it was a lot of great stuff in this match. Um, Honestly, I was excited for the fact that this man, Martin Atkinson, didn't find a way to ruin it. Uh, The fact that Paul Tierney was on VAR and we didn't have a player sent off for a blatant stamp uh, was shocking and awe to me as well. But, you know, quickly here, because we're going to have to get on to the Everton game, a couple minutes here on this. When it came to the officiating in this match, I have been steadfast all year on this podcast that the level of officiating in the English Premier League is at an all-time low. Uh, I don't believe that, you know, that is still the third or fourth highest rated official in the Premier League, Martin Atkinson, and that's just crazy. Um, What's next? Someone's going to tell me John Moss is a good official. Um, (laughs) But the, the way he lost control of the match, you know, he didn't hand out yellow cards, which I kind of appreciate. But Jamie, what was your take on Atkinson, some of the hard fouls, and specifically how he was responding to the United petulance in the second half? I mean, 
you're not wrong, by the way. The the officiating look again, you know, we, we touch on these topics and we try and we try and get through them all as, as quickly as possible because we could literally sit here all night long for a for full hour long podcast and talk about the officiating, which we probably should do, by the way. Um, but yeah, I mean you know we always talk about the officiating being bad anyway, so just um assume the worst and score our goals and win the game out anyway, which we do, uh, thankfully. But um, there, there has to come a time where everybody sits down and talks about the officiating, not, not just us three arseholes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, the, the bigger, the bigger, the bigger conversation needs to happen here soon because it's, um, it's becoming a laughing stock in, in European football. You know what I mean? Like other other countries aren't as as bad as this. Um, it really is terrible, the level of officiating in, in, in the English leagues. So, Scott, um, you know, what do you attribute that to? And specifically, when you first saw this, were you as worried as I was that he might be walking off the pitch? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I I don't think at all that Kate necessarily, you know, looked back and wanted to stomp on Lingard's, you know, back of the shin. But the the fact is, is that refs never cease to amaze us with with their opinions, with their transgressions, and and their you know reviews on these sort of plays. The fact that it didn't even go to a long VAR review was was actually shocking to me um but would you call it dangerous play i mean do you, do you, so so here's the thing the no ball, intent, the, i know intent the ball's there, there but... he's he's jumping over and and obviously with the speed of play that you know is the premier league we can confidently say that it there there's no malice there's no and in in ref lingo it's considered excessive force right there's no excessive force malicious behavior right because Lingard him. goes to ground anyway exactly but on the clear and consistent you know examples we have throughout the whole season I just would not have been surprised had he been shown a red I'm I'm relieved and it's kind of refreshing to see uh, you know, Galley, as you said, a, a more physical game being allowed throughout the, you know, match. Um, but we've seen instances where this and maybe stuff way less than this has been given a red. In my recent thoughts, I'm thinking of Son last year, his red card, where he was coming up on a slide tackle, grazed a, a shin and got a red. Matush is right though. Like he, he's saying that Nabi is making a habit out of these, but he said as much. He he's becoming to get more physical and malicious or not, is is Matush's last my last comment there. But um he is definitely trying to get his, his physicality back into his game. But I don't know if I I that happens, right? You stand on players like you know. I, I've witnessed some absolute freak injuries. Like my captain, when, when we were used used to play Gaelic football, um, he had a compound fracture in his his lower tib, and his, his tibia actually popped out of the skin. Like I've, I'll never forget the scream of the man. Um, but it was just one of those freak accidents. Like it, 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 standing on people happens. You know what I mean? Like I don't. My only yeah, he's going. It, I'm sorry, guys. I played football a long time, and I was a. I was a dirty little. Son He's going to leave one in I, on him. <laughs> he went to leave one in on him, and he looks down. He tried to leave one in, and I think he caught more flesh than he meant to, and he got right, him a lot better I, than he I, meant to. And and hold on, Jamie, let me finish. Sure. Because this is I, I waited to hear it all out. And here's the problem. He came in. He put in two tough tackles quickly. I'm all for it because I stood on this pod with Tamuchin arguing that he had to go for 50-50s. He had to keep himself in there. He should have been sent off against Chalabo in the League Cup. He should have. He could have been sent off here. And this is my fear, is, is, and to Matus's point, you have to be careful. We can't even give it to them to make a chance. Because if he goes off there, he's banned for the next three Premier League matches. And that is a huge hit. I mean, we all remember Henderson getting the ridiculous red yeah. in a, you know, after the lead against City. 
And I still to this day believe if he plays against Chelsea in Crystal Palace, we see that title over the line. So I, it does make me a little nervous. And here's the other part. He made it very, very clear for his unhappiness after the Pogba red. And he got taken out to the point where he was almost seriously injured by Pogba earlier this year in the 5 nothing win. And I don't think he was trying to hurt Lingard, but I do think he was trying to leave one on him. And I think that he got too much of them. And for that, if he had seen red, he would have had no arguments and really no apologies. And I think in a game where you're up for nothing in the 88th minute, you got to, you know, we got on Gerard for seeing red in his last appearance against United in 25 seconds off the bench. <laughs> and he was wrong for that, but he was too he amped up. And I, think, I don't think he was wrong for that because nobody was laying a, a finger on United at the time. I would like, I, I look, he was I, definitely you're, wrong you're, for you're that. You're not wrong, that. Gally. You're absolutely not wrong about anything you said. Kind of would have got sent off, probably should have. But in United <laughs> Liverpool games, there's always going to be that <coughs> error. There's always the edge. The, the, yeah, the little judgment call that the ref is going to make. He's going to give you a little bit of leeway. Everton, same again, which we've got that game coming up as well. Um, so I think that's that's definitely a part to play in these games. But, but you're definitely not wrong. You know, Navi shouldn't have risked it. Um, that was my point. Was the risk in hindsight? Risk in hindsight, it's, it's in in hindsight, it's stupid. But I think I think on the Gerard point, I I enjoyed seeing that because even though it was a risk, the tackle was poor. Um, nobody was getting stuck in. And and the same of the United United fans about the United players. Like I'm sure we've all watched way too many um, United highlight reels um, from <laughs> United podcasters, but um, just to drink in their pain. But um, well, they're yeah, they're entertaining. So we do have to but, make sure we get to the Everton match for a couple yeah, minutes here yeah. with only five minutes to go because this is what happens when you drub United four nil. And you beat them 9-0 over aggregate. You don't want to talk about anything the else. You just want to keep talking deserved, about yeah. Yeah. Um, So, Jamie Carragher said this week uh, on one of his 950 TV appearances that he expected heavy rotation. And that if there was ever going to be time for rotation, it would be this weekend. Because honestly, in his mind, they could put out their second team and beat this team 4-5-0. or five nil. I don't know if we see that much rotation. But let's focus there, Scott, to start. What do you see from a starting lineup? And I want you to talk to me about the back four. Uh, yeah, I, I think that we do see some rotation in the back four. I think that the the players who are starting for us, particularly our back four, you're, you're talking about Virgil and, and Robertson and Trent. I, they can play every game. Uh, barring a knock, they can, they can play every game. I do believe that we do see Konate. Um, Partially yeah. because, you know, we want to rest Matip and we want to make sure that we're we're managing minutes. But also, this is an Everton game that has Richarlson in it, and he does not care about playing footy. All he cares about is going in and diving and, and you know, trying to get in physically in, in that sort of matchup. And I think that Konate feeds on those sort of um, – challenges i think that he he shines on them and and we've seen that in the past with a lot of you know high profile players he's played against in the back line i do think konate comes in but i wouldn't be surprised if you see the other three starting if you see robo trent and virgil keep their place obviously it's something to be said that costas can come in gomez can come in but is it needed um maybe for sure. I think that they can get the job done if they do but i i wouldn't be surprised seeing robo trent and virgil still start Jamie, how about you? Why don't we focus? Um, let's focus up top. Who's starting up top for you? Well, Bobby's available, so I think Bobby, Bobby Jada, Bobby Jada. I mean, look, it's, it's, we talk Smoke. about the the yeah, yeah. You, you got to get a crowbar. You got to get a crowbar to get the man. <laughs> off we talk about the rotation. Like you, you'd love to see somebody like Ataki or somebody thrown in there, but Moe's is Moe's going to be playing. Jada, Bobby, Mo. That's it. Um, All right. I, I do love then, the fact that Boaz has said Timmy and Kanate as well. I I, I do think Samikas could start 
I do want to see Kanate start. Um, midfield three. It's difficult, isn't it? Um, I think you probably yeah, too, see Kate. Kate, I think you might get Jones. Oh yeah. I think Jones might get a third. We're already talking about Tsumikas, Kanade, Bobby, and Jada. So that's four without even touching the midfield. Gally, would so, you switch out the entire midfield? Would all, all three? No. I, 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 I'd I play Fab no matter what, just to make sure that you have the solidity in front of Kanate and Verge. Um, I, I just think that Hendo looks at the point now where, you know, giving him – Every other match from the bench and giving him a sub makes a lot of sense. I just think that we're finally seeing so many minutes out of Tiago. The last thing I kind of want to see right now is Tiago playing against those thugs. Because I do think if anything, if any match gets ugly, this one could get ugly at 3 0. I was, I was just thinking that, you know, if in the back of my mind, I mean, the the one thing that they 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 would almost rather they, if fans know that they'll lose the game, let's say they they know for a fact, which is a, a, a likely scenario, Everton losing. But let's say they know that they're losing. They would much rather thugs go out there and you know get some injuries and and ruin Liverpool's chances at a quadruple. And I fully believe that. Sorry, Boaz. We're gonna be <laughs> waiting for your bro Harvey till next year, and that's okay. I think the combination of the injury and the amount of time away and the fact that this side's so fit, there's just not way for him back into the pitch, in my opinion, this season. I also don't think we'll see Divac probably again. I don't know that we're going to see Taki again. I'm not sure we're going to see Ox put on the uniform again, to be totally honest. But that's one of the beauties that when you keep buying great players and they're betting in and they're earning their jerseys, that they're staying healthy. Your club is in such great shape for today, for tomorrow, and for down the road. Um, but we can't get out of here without predictions. So, Jamie, we're going to start with you. I want two predictions. I want the score for tomorrow, and I want whether or not Everton will be playing in the Premier League Ooh. in August. 3-0. Um, and, yes, they will. Okay. Fish, despite Score my prediction. better better wishes. Uh, uh, 4-0, another 4-0-er. And I say no, they will not be in the Premier League next season. Uh, just, just watching how uh, Burnley always, in my anger, somehow get the job done, I, I think that they may run to the end. Yeah, I struggle with this one because I have been ultimately rooting for Burnley to go down every year um since they came up both Agreed. times i got it right once and sean dice that bastard brought him right back <laughs> um i find it fitting that that club has gone 10 days since firing sean dice and hasn't hired a manager has used the u23 manager who had never managed before and their coach and ben me and ben me their <laughs> captain as coach and they picked up four points in a week and if they can get a result this weekend and Everton lose, I really believe Frank Lampard does not have the tools to get them out of this. And I think there's a very, very good chance they go down. If they stay up, it's genuinely going to be how poor United is that keeps them up, um, which blows my mind. But um, I'm going to say they go down. I think Darren might be agreeing with me saying, have you seen Everton's next three matches? Um, yeah. I saw their last three, so I'm not sure I need to see anything else. Um, <laughs> you know, I still laugh about the fact that they just don't score goals. So my prediction is going to be uh, I'm going to steal one from Rocky three, and I'm just going to straight up predict pain. And uh, I think it's going to be a five mil thrashing. And Ooh. I think you're going to be celebrating. It's going to be a great weekend. And Monday night, we will get back to, um, you know, back to looking at this. We'll talk a little bit about City. Hopefully, we're, we're back top of the table by then. If not, we'll scour those matches, prepare for the Champions League. But Paul and Timuchin and I will be back Monday night. Uh, Scotty, 
Jamie, thank you so much. Jamie. Appreciate it, guys. Jamie, sing us out of here. We've conquered all. Oh, wow. That's, that's trippy. We've conquered <laughs> all of Europe. We're never going to stop. Lads, we're going to Wembley again. Come on. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thank you, guys. Have a great night, and thank you for listening, as always. Up L 